Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Cozy Conversations. I'm Christian. This is my good friend, Andrew. And we're excited to get into some topics. Pretty much we're going to talk about everything, but we're excited. Yeah. So usually this podcast would be laid out in a topical kind of fashion. We'd pick something and say, we're going to talk about this. And we would get each of our takes on it and just kind of learn from each other and bounce off of each other. Uh, Maybe even debate it a little bit and just have a great time with these, um, you know, difficult but important subjects. But since this is the first one, we thought we ought to just have a little introduction, tell you who we are, tell you how we met, and why we want to do this. Yeah. So my name is Christian. I'm 20 years old, and I'm from Newark, New Jersey. And I'm Andrew. I'm 21 years old, and I am from Westmoreland, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so Christian and I, we both go to Lee University, which is in Cleveland, Tennessee. I am a senior. I'm a junior. Yeah, and we met each other in one of the musical ensembles at Lee, the Voices of Lee. I joined Voices in the summer of 2017. When did you join? Uh, the fall of 2017. Okay. Yeah. So Christian and I have been in this group for years together. We have sung just all over the USA, um, and we have just worked with each other closely for a really long time. Uh, Christian is baritone in the group, and I'm the bass in the group, so uh, we have to work very closely with each other to do what we do. And um, along the way, uh, we started to like notice some things about our own relationship. Yeah. Me and Andrew are very, very different. We've realized that. But we have always had this great level of common respect. And we've always gotten to some great conversations um, where we realize that we don't agree on a lot of things, but we're willing to listen to one another and really dive into those healthy tensions. And we thought it would be a great idea to, to come share that with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we've always had these great um conversations about controversial topics and I feel like I have learned a lot from you like already and uh, likewise likewise (laughs) we just wanted to kind of share and allow you guys to be a fly on the wall for some of these conversations and try to um, get some dialogue going that is productive Um, like I know um for myself, I see a lot of controversial dialogue going on on social media. And I think that's probably the main platform or forum for that kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, that and the Thanksgiving Day (laughs) dinner table. (laughs) Um, About, you know, political things, but also all kinds of things. Um, Social things, religious things philosophical things even. And in my experience, I have never found those things to be transformative in a positive way. I can say personally, I have never had my mind changed about a subject because of something that I read on social media. And every now and then I'll ask someone, has 
have you ever had your mind changed by something you read on social media? And at least so far in my life, I've never heard anyone answer yes to that question. So it's kind of got me thinking that social media is, is not the optimal platform for, for a positive dialogue to happen. So the question is, well, what is the optimal platform? We need to be having these controversial conversations with each other. We need to have that communication. But I think it is much better done in the context of, first of all, mutual trust and respect, uh, relationship, and just basic good faith, you know? So I found all of those things in my conversations with you. And I think that is a great model for how to work through these things. And I thought, you know, we should give that model some attention, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I have realized over the years that the best, I will never be able to fully understand someone I don't know. Right. It's very easy to disagree with people I don't know or don't want to know personally. But being able to sit down with you, Andrew, after these few years that we spent together and talk about things that I usually wouldn't even think twice to to reconsider, um, I've realized is leading to some great, great discussion Mm -hmm. and growth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when it comes to our different perspectives, we should talk a little bit about, you know, how we have arrived at the place that we're at now and what our background is in a, you know, religious, ideological, cultural sense. Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey in a single parent household. I'm the son of a minister in the Church of God. And I spent a lot of my life in the church, in the Church of God. Um, But a lot of the ways that I was challenged was not necessarily in that space, but it was in the spaces I was in outside of church. So my school was very diverse. Uh, I went to inner city school, so I was around people who looked completely different than me. And I'm very blessed to say that um, I was allowed to be able to be challenged. I went into a lot of those spaces thinking that I was right about everything. And I quickly learned that there is so much more to this world than the one view that I had grown up hearing and having. And I had friends who I loved so dearly, who thought so differently than me. And in spaces where I wouldn't have, I even considered to listen to that opinion or that point of view, my heart wanted to hear what they had to say because I trusted them and because I loved them. And that was one of the biggest inspirations for me wanting to do this podcast is getting to the heart of people um, and understanding that, yes, we have our understandings about a topic or a, or a controversial issue, but once we really get to the nitty gritty of why we feel that way and where our heart is coming from, we'll be able to have some great, some great dialogue for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So how would you say your, um, your ideas about things lean? Um, like who are like the thinkers that you um, find compelling, the people that you learn from and your kind of, you know, basic worldview. I'm not going to ask you to label yourself necessarily because part of this is just about fluidity, right? And mm-hmm. and not 
holding fast to the things that we already know, but you know, rather the things that we don't already know, but just to give people an idea of the angle that you're going to come at things from. Yeah. I think it's safe to consider the take. I'm going to take very progressive on a lot of these things we're going to talk about. I believe that there is a lot of things that we don't know. There's still a lot of unknown out there and I'm always willing to ask that question and to push that boundary and to push that wall. And if I'm wrong, I'll pull it back. But I will always tend to err on the side of let's continue to push until it hurts a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, so I also uh, grew up in a Christian household. My background was not Church of God. It was, I would just say Baptist, sometimes Southern Baptist, sometimes independent Baptist, even a little bit of reformed Baptist in there. And, um, not only were we a Christian household, but we were also a very conservative household. So a lot of my first exposures to political dialogues, I was taking the approach of the more right wing side. And since then I have exposed myself to a lot of thinkers, some of them right-wing, some of them left-wing, some of them um, Christian, some of them atheist. Um, Personally, I love to listen to the the words and the writings of people like, um, in the political sphere, uh, Ben Shapiro, in the more philosophical, psychological sphere, Jordan Peterson, in the more kind of like everyday life, I don't want to say like self-help, but you know, kind of uh, daily living kind of sphere. I love the work of Stephen Covey. And apart from, you know, all of those, of course, the Bible first and and foremost. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of those thinkers have impacted the approach that I take to things. I have, um, adopted a lot of their arguments, even if not necessarily their opinions. And I would say that I probably fall somewhere kind of center right. Um, Of course, these days, if you say like hard right or like far right, that bears a, a connotation that is much different, I would say, than from when I was a kid even. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was younger, first getting into this kind of thing, I would call myself like far right, like even kind of radical. But I feel like since then, especially since 2016, the right has taken kind of a turn Mm -hmm. that far right has started to mean something different than than I thought that it meant. And um, I feel like I can find a lot of common ground and a lot of empathy with people who are of a more left-wing persuasion so yeah like center center right would not call myself a a progressive if i had to give myself just you know one label i would probably just say conservative i am a champion of traditional values i think that a lot of traditional values are disregarded or just criticized, which is okay. I think that that needs to happen, but often it's done in a way that 
the one doing the criticizing or doing the updating has not fully understood the merit and the depth and the sophistication of the value that they're casting aside. So I have often found myself kind of existing as this person who is the advocate for the traditional way of doing things in the lives of my friends and family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm a traditional guy. I'm old school. I have a great respect for the ways of the ancestors, although I certainly do not want to doom myself or the rest of us to the mistakes that they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have spent my whole life viewing the people around me not living traditional uh, values out necessarily. Um, I grew up in a single home, in a single parent home, and I know my father, um, but it was very clear that that environment was not working, right? So I have always and will continue to kind of approach this from an angle that, sure, traditional values are good, and when they work, they're, they're very good for what they do, but it's also very possible to survive and even thrive outside of those contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, I cannot wait to explore some of that stuff with you and um, I want to know a little bit more about, you know, your your uh, motivations as, you know, the person who you are in a particular sense, you know, as a black person, as a person with your life experiences that are that are specific to you. So what makes the Christian? I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying. Christian in terms of the religion, but Christian in terms of Christian Edwards, the Christian version of, you know, your progressive leaning ideas different than progressive leaning ideas as such. Yeah. So a big thing for me growing up was watching the repercussions of what it means to be a black man in America And honestly, every single day, there's something new that I learned. There's another facet of that that I wasn't aware of, Previ. But I have constantly had to work harder to prove that I belonged in the room that I was in. I there was a time when I despised being in the room with a lot of white people because the connotation was always that I was the quota filler. I got the spot because I was good, but I had to make the room look diverse or feel diverse, that Mm -hmm. I had taken someone else's spot. Mm -hmm. And it hurt. I really, for a while, could not stand the idea of going to a predominantly white institution. And for one, that was one of the main reasons I didn't want to come to Lee originally. But um, I've come here and I've, come to love this school and love the people here. But I've constantly had to always relate everything that I'm doing to the fact that I will be viewed as a black man because it's very apparent and it's very clear. There's a trend that I've noticed recently as a step towards anti-racism, which in itself doesn't work, uh, this idea of colorblindness. And I've had this really big push against it um, on my part. But there's been this idea that 
we don't need to see color, that we are all made in, usually what's said is we're made in the image of God, we're all one, we're all the same deep down, so we shouldn't have to look at our exterior differences. But in doing so, we discount the experiences of the people that don't look like us. So I am always trying to make it very clear that I see our differences. Not that I dismiss you for them, but I think it's so important to realize how those differences have affected us and our parents and our, our legacies and our families and, how, and what that looks like going forward, because it is important. And that's probably one of the biggest things for me is my life as a person of color. In that same breath, as I understand what it's like to be treated differently because of something I'm not controlling, my compassion for the LGBTQ plus community is so high on that list. Because I have a, or I've had a brother that, that is gay um, and that his life was, and that lived this perfect life that went to church, that sang in the choir, that did missions, that was traveling, was doing all these things for the kingdom, but people still couldn't look past that part of his identity and it cost him his life. So in that regard, I am constantly fighting for the marginalized and I'm constantly fighting for those who are kind of cast aside and looked away. And that's been so important to me and it's gonna continue to be. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, so this is, this is so interesting um, because of the different places that we're coming from, you know. Mm -hmm. So I already mentioned that I, you know, came up in a, we'll just say kind of a evangelical household. My father is or has been a preacher, at times a pastor. My family's always been involved in ministry. We've always been in the church. And I am, you know, straight white male. Um, and that's the same, that's the case with my brother and also my, my dad. And, um, you know, we're very, we exist in a very, I guess you could say normative space. You know, we, my, I would say that my family is sort of the embodiment of the American dream. You know, my dad, he, he grew up poor, um, but he is very hard worker, very intelligent, made a lot of good decisions early in his life. And, um, through the blessing of God has been able to, um, move up the, you know, corporate ladder. And he's now an owner of his own business and all that stuff. Pretty much everything that is sort of promised for the American, but that not all experience, mm -hmm. right? So, in addition to that, I no one believes me when I tell them this, which is always why it's so fun to tell them. But I am kind of a redneck at heart. I grew up in the woods. Um, was born in Florida, and we lived in the very northwestern corner of Florida in the Panhandle. It was like basically Alabama, and we, you know, lived in a place where there were, there's not a lot of development, you know, we were outside constantly. When I was a kid, I was outside anytime that I could be. That's where I loved to be. Um, I grew up hunting, um, fishing, you know, riding four-wheelers, riding boats, um, just being out in the, in the creation. And, um, 
I still do those things when I get the chance. Now that I'm in college and, you know, in Cleveland, those opportunities come around less frequently, you know. But that connection with the earth is, and the animal kingdom as well, is something that is very important to me. And I feel like that also connects me to the ancestors because when you walk into like New York City, you're in a place that only your generation knows, Mm -hmm. you know, because everything you see is, is new. Um, and even if it's not new, it's been updated, right? And it is the freshest, hottest, most high tech thing, you know? I know there's a lot of wonderful history in New York City. Please don't light me up in the comment section. But when you're outside, you're with trees that are hundreds of years old. You could be walking the same soil as the first settlers of the place that you're in, you know. So that those two things, my kind of American dream upbringing, very traditional, very conservative, and my experience as a child with, um, you know, being out in the country, I think both have strongly biased me Mm -hmm. towards the thinking of the people of old, you know? So I think those things are of great, great value and I would not change them for anything. But I recognize the impact that they have on my thinking in ways that they may bias me and blind me to people who have more of your experience, you know. So I'm so excited to jump into this and to just um, juxtapose our ideas and, you know, really hear the other side, you know, reach across the aisle, as they say, and see the positive transformation that happens as a result of that and i'm going to throw it back to you and while you talk i'm going to make sure that our recording device doesn't die yeah let's talk i am so excited to do this with andrew for the simple reason that we've been friends for about three years now but i know that these conversations are going to allow for us to get so much closer and to really challenge some of the ideas that we've had for ourselves. And that's probably the greatest thing ever, the greatest gift. Um, I have been fortunate enough to be in rooms where there are all these juxtaposing cultures, right? Um, Both of my parents are born and raised in Jamaica and migrated here when they were young adults. So they have a whole culture that is so different than mine. And having to balance that culture with the American culture that I grew up in experiencing, and then relating that to the culture I experienced when I moved to Tennessee for school, which was a whole nother culture shock. um, I am loving the ability to challenge myself and to be challenged. So I can grow, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so one thing that I feel like 
should be said is part of my intent in this is not just to grow and to be challenged, but also to challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see society pointed in a lot of different directions and some of them I think are wonderful and some of them I think um, are, are not wonderful and I think they lead ultimately to destruction. I know that's a little dramatic, but I'm, I'm serious. So not only am I excited to learn from you, I hope to show you some things and also all of those who might listen to this, who are kind of of your persuasion that will cause you to consider, you know, not progressing so quickly. And um, when it is time to update the tradition, doing so with great respect and gratitude, trembling even, uh, recognizing the sacrifices that have rendered the things that we have now before we try to uproot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that you are going to challenge me in all kinds of ways too. Oh yeah. There's going to be some great push and pull in this room. I can feel it. Ugh. Yeah. So just for all of you listeners out there, uh, I'll say, I think in closing that my and Christian's dream is to walk away from this experience wiser um, more informed and more empathetic to the opinions of those that are that are contrary to our own. And I think it is also our dream for that kind of transformation to happen in the hearts of the listeners as well. And I think it something like that is only good and it will render good things in the society at large. Yeah. Hopefully when you listen to this, you'll want to go have these conversations with the people in your lives because they're so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with all of that said, if you listen this far, thank you so much. We are so excited to get started as we've said so many times already, and we will see you guys in episode two and our topic is yet to be determined, so you'll have to tune in to see what it's going to be. Yeah. Can't wait to see you guys. Bye.